This meeting is being recorded. All righty. Hello and welcome just to family. This is giving you something to talk about or just a live TV. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. I'm an identity coach, spiritual teacher, business mentor, and creator and founder of just a live TV, as well as the Women Supporting Women Can Network. Today, we're going to be talking about identifying and healing toxic cycles and patterns, which my guest speaker and I are very familiar with. So make sure you join in, comment, like, and share, follow the show get to know us. If you want to connect with myself or my guest speaker, you can do so. Links in the description of this episode. Today's episode has been sponsored by Phoenix Identity. When you're feeling desperate to reconnect with yourself and you don't know who you are anymore, how to do that, go and check them out. They have the life crisis package. That's for anybody who's, again, feel like they've lost yourself and you don't know where to turn, where to go, or how to, you know, reclaim your identity. Go and check that out. Uh, use coupon code 911 to get 25% off of that package. So go and check it out. Link in the description. All right, Brooke, thank you for joining me. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So I am a magnetic mindset coach, um, a clinical hypnotherapist and an RTT practitioner. So um, I'm very excited to get into this conversation about um, healing toxic cycles and patterns. Absolutely. I don't think we talk about that enough. Now, I'm going to segue really quickly. And um, I know this is live streaming, live streaming today. Um, and I know that, you know, people will be able to watch this episode. I am a Canadian, so today we lost our monarch. So I wanted to, you know, I know that they're probably not going to watch this episode, but for anybody watching, you know, my condolences to the royal family on the loss of somebody who's, and who not, right? 70 years, like that's, that's fantastic to think about, right? We're, I'm 39, right? And my legacy, you never know how long that's going to last, right? I'm not a royal, but you never know how long it's going to last. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. And it was, I, I couldn't believe it when I heard it myself. So I know. And you think 70 years as a monarch, never mind as just a human being, 96 years as a human being, you're going to wonder how many toxic cycles and patterns she had, not only in her own life, but like family and, and just everything. That, that would have been crazy. So um, definitely rest in peace to her because that's, that's what time it is. Definitely. It's time to relax. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, so yes, where we were going with that is we don't talk, um, did you, I caught it, but I didn't catch it. Did you call yourself a negative mindset coach? No, positive. So magnetic. So, magnetic. um, okay. definitely not negative. Who would want to be negative? No, I actually, <laughs> I actually, when I first started coaching, I called myself a positive mindset coach because that's what I did. Right. Positivity. Mm -hmm. It was the positivity coach. Yeah. Right. And I realized over the years, I ended up calling myself the Morticia of mindset because it was, you know, our negativity is actually what shows us how to be positive. It's what shows us how to change, right? So at one point, I started calling myself the negative mindset coach because it really, the negativity we experience, I was rejected and ridiculed. I've been a coach for six years now, and I rejected and ridiculed for talking about negativity, for talking about, you know, toxic cycles and patterns, for talking about, you know, the different ways that we feel horrible, right? And look at me today. I feel horrible today. I'm mindset. I'm happy. I'm go lucky. It's my daughter's birthday. She turns eight today on the eighth. So it's her champagne or golden birthday. 
Um, and I've got a ton of stuff going on, but I'm, I'm feeling horrible. My body is telling me, Melissa, you screwed up. <laughs> so, um, I'm feeling horrible, but at the same time, I know that. So I'm taking a little bit easier today. I'm doing what I need to do. I'm listening to my body. I'm listening to my mind while still living, right. And still enjoying my day-to-day in my life. And when we start to identify those toxic cycles and those toxic patterns, we really gain the ability and the power to change them. And I think that's, that's one of the main things I want to highlight in this is you can identify them. You can change them. You're not stuck in them forever, even though right now it probably feels easier to stay there, feels easier to just be like, Hey, well, this is my life. I'm, you know, what can I do about it? There is things that you can do about it. And we're going to touch on a few of those in those episodes. So as I'm just like I'm high today, apparently, like I'm hyper. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I totally agree with you about, um, I like that you said that you were the negative mindset coach. I mean, cause really what it is, is it's like identifying, okay, where are you stuck? What is, what are you limited by? Right. And that's why I really teach people the rules of the mind, you know, being a hypnotherapist, that's really important, right? Because if we can harness the power of our minds, um, particularly our subconscious, then we can understand how we can consciously create our lives. So we can look at those negative patterns, right? Or those negative core beliefs, right? So that we can shift them, change them, morph them over a period of time. And that's what I really teach, you know, my clients because we don't really see always the awareness, right? We're not always consciously aware of our toxic patterns, right? I know I wasn't for a very long time in my life is why I got stuck and trapped in, you know, abusive relationships and, being stuck in, in spaces and places and friendships and work in workplaces, right. That was, that were toxic for me, but I did not realize because it was what was familiar, right. And the mind loves what's familiar. So really teaching people, okay, if you are seeing something and you don't like it, dig deeper because that is there to show you that you need to see what um, needs to be healed or what needs to be shifted or changed or looked at in a deeper way and really seeing that it's okay to have the negative and the positive that's the type of world we live in right we can't always just that's why they they call it toxic positivity right we can't always be positive right so we have to do the light and the dark, right? It's all about balance, right? It's, it, it truly is. Um, but we can rewire our brains to take us to the destination that we want. Yep. Um, so I have a story, if you don't mind me sharing. I have a story, actually a recent story. So I did um, somebody I love absolutely dearly. We did garage sales. Uh, so we did two weeks of a garage sale and this person is a shopaholic, has a ton of stuff, um, is older. And so we're sitting there and we're talking about it. And a lot of people will give her flack for being a shopaholic. Right. And it's like, Mm -hmm the way they're going about it is very like a negative acknowledgement, right? And so we talk about the negative and and positive and we talk about toxic positivity. So toxic positivity would be like, don't talk about the fact that you're a shopaholic because you're giving power to it and then you'll just shop more and law of attraction, you'll just create more negativity and that's not actually it. And so her and I were having a discussion the other day and we were talking about, you know, why is it that right now you're struggling with being a shopaholic so much more than you would have, like, why is it a problem right now? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it came down to one, she's not living on her own right now. So she doesn't get to see her stuff. So that causes an issue. Um, 
and going through, I said, okay, you know, the first step of that is acknowledging that it's a problem. You don't have to change it right away. It doesn't have to be this huge, you know, shift that you have to make. I always tell my clients and I told her that just the fact that if you go shopping, right, if you go shopping, then you're a shopaholic and you turn around and you see something, she loves thrift thrift shopping, right? And you know, thrift shopping, oh, it's on sale. So it's perfect. I can buy it. I don't feel guilty anymore. Right. Yeah. So she went to a thrift store and she found this beautiful box, uh, cake pan, sorry. And um, she's like, oh, I, I'd leave that in my car. That's a steal of a deal and it's gorgeous. And I'm like, okay, so did you buy it? And she goes, no. She said, I was thinking about it and I'm like, I don't need it though. Like, I'm not going to, I don't have anywhere to put it. I don't need it. And really proud moment. She didn't get it, but then she got in the car and she had guilt about it. She had guilt about not buying it. And I said, even if you had bought it, the fact that you acknowledged that that was a process and that was a pattern, even that acknowledgement is a huge success. You should be proud of yourself. When we're trying to change a cycle or a pattern, I'm gonna jump right into this. When, When we're trying to change a cycle or a pattern, acknowledging that it's an issue, even if we don't change it, acknowledging that it's an issue will you'll start doing that every time so I'm a smoker I've quit smoking before not ready yet so don't come at me but if I go for a cigarette and I want to quit if I go for a cigarette and I'm thinking while I'm having a cigarette that you know I really shouldn't be doing this like I really need to quit that acknowledgement is power that acknowledgement is a reminder every time I have a cigarette well maybe I shouldn't maybe today I won't right? And you start to think about how you can do that differently. You start to make the change. Would you agree on that? Or what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, most definitely. Um, you know, I deal with a lot of people that have, you know, addictions um, as well as shopping. And um, when I work with my clients, it's like, okay, well, there's always a root and a cause and a reason for when we do go into the session, a subconscious reason why we have the addiction. Okay, what is it trying to fill? Is it filling a void for you? Is it a, is it a dopamine release? Is it something, you know, what, what, what does it give you? What are you receiving from this, right? Um, and once we find out that route that caused the stories or the perceptions that the mind has created about this addiction and why I need this, um, we can begin to shift that. But I always tell people, okay, we can start to rewire the, the mind by repetition, okay? But you also have to, when you are conscious about it, right, you said, awareness, acknowledge it, see that you're, you're doing it, right, first, and then being able to shift that, right? So you're like, okay, um, I'm really feeling like I want to smoke right now, but how do I, what, what can I do to um, decide that I'm going to not smoke, right? Or what can I do in place of smoking that makes me feel good, right? So what makes me feel good besides going and buying that? that thing at the store, right? Can I do something else that's more of a healthy thing for me, right? And so, and then each time that you do that and you actually pick the other choice that you're trying to get away from, you reward yourself somehow, right? Not by going and shopping more or anything, but like pick a different reward that's gonna keep showing your mind evidence that you are capable of doing this and that you don't want to keep doing the negative pattern 
that is harming you in some way, right? For people that are shopaholics, it could be your bank account is being harmed, right? You're constantly like, oh crap, I've spent too much this, or you know, you're racking up credit card debt, you know, whatever that looks like for you, realizing that you have the conscious choice as well to rewire yourself and make yourself actually go towards a goal. It's about setting those goals though, and then sticking to them. And then it's okay if you fail sometimes. It's okay if you give in and you and you do shop, right? You're going to because it's a pattern. It was an addiction, right? So you're sometimes gonna fall off the bandwagon, um, but not fill into the guilt and the shame about it. Yep. Um, and for for many of you watching, what you might not understand that addiction is a need to replace or remove an emotion, right? It's you're you're trying to fill that void. You're trying to change how you feel, right? And your addiction can be absolutely anything. Um, what I do, and, and you and I are very similar, and I love that. You and I are really similar in our teaching. And But one of the things that I do is, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking you probably do the same, is that root cause, right? You touched on the root mm -hmm. cause. So a lot of the time, and, and I can say that for shopping addiction and, and multiple addictions, there's either a trauma or a trigger that causes that. And in this case, it would be empty nest, right? It would be a lack of focus on identity and then who am I, right? And the shopping would give that dopamine. It would give that, right, that once you start to change your perception. So for me, I changed the perception of what the issue is, right? Not the shopping, but whatever the created, whatever was created. And then we kind of work forward again and say, okay, instead of shopping, yeah, I don't need to shop now because I know who I am right? I don't need that to feel good about myself. I can create that feeling just by thinking that I love myself, just by, you know, unconditionally loving and knowing who I am and then moving through that process because that's what people don't, society is horrible for that, is we've conditioned, society's conditioned us or tried to conform us into my identity is my trauma. My identity is the fact that I'm a mother or a wife. My identity is my career. My identity is, you know, what I've done or what I haven't done. When in reality, our identity is actually who we are. It's, it's not our titles. It's not our roles. It's not our traumas or our experiences. Our, our identity is who we are at our core, what we love, what we like, what we dislike, what, you know, how we think and how we feel. That's our core identity and people forget that and they don't know how to do that that's why for a phoenix identity when i did the life crisis program it was like okay everybody talks about midlife crises that's a cycle right midlife crisis mm -hmm. isn't a midlife crisis because oh my god you just automatically have one when you hit 40 no what it is is something's changed so either retirement um, your children leaving the home, um, a breakdown in a relationship, maybe your partner died or you separated or whatever it is. When you're now at a point where you have to focus on yourself, you don't know who you are. That's a life yeah. crisis. That's when we start shopping. That's when we start, you know, buying the sports cars. Um, I don't know how many of my husband's friends have bought Corvettes in the last three months to a year, um, everybody's bought in a Corvette and they're like midlife crisis. And I'm like, no, that's just, that's fun. Right. Cause most of them know who they are, but again, it's, it really just depends. Yeah. It's, I think a lot of it is distraction, right? 
Um, that's why there is the stipulation of, oh, it's the midlife crisis. It's more of like, okay, we've been distracting ourselves and been either working really hard. We've stayed in the rat race, right? Working full time, having kids, doing life, being, getting married, doing the things that life happens. And then when there's change, right? The mind doesn't like change. Okay. First of all, so there's, it's like, oh wait, how do I distract myself? I need something else to distract myself. Cause now I don't know who I am. Right. So you're trying to have to like kind of more for identify who, okay, what, what does this look like for me now? You know, now I'm older and got to figure things out. And I think a lot of the reasons why people do have the addictions is the distraction from like we talked about feeling the emotion, right? They're not ready to heal or feel the emotions behind things that are still kind of stored in their subconscious, um, whether those be negative or positive, right? Stories or perceptions uh, from childhood or traumatic things, and whether that's big trauma or little trauma, there is always every, each and every one of us have some form of trauma that we have that we may not be consciously aware of. And it's playing out in our reality in other ways, you know, where we get triggered or something happens or we project onto other people things that we're really feeling inside and we're not really consciously aware of these things. And so it's why it's so great to dig deeper, right? Because if you can become a conscious creator of your life, and this is why I teach um, the mindset that I do, that your possibility of what you can create is really limitless. You are your biggest enemy, no one else, right? No one else, it's you against you right so how do you create consciously and then how do you understand what really is going on in the background of your subconscious programming because that's 95 percent more powerful than your conscious mind so you have to be able to understand that piece and a lot of people don't really understand or grasp that concept so it's about teaching that creating more and more awareness for each and every person Yep. That's why I created the smarter method. And I I love that you said that because that is exactly what we need. We need to learn who we are, what we're capable of. 95% of our reality is created by ourselves. Now, people, when they hear that, I did an episode not that long ago where I explained this, right? Where 95% of our reality, we create, right? relationships that are unaligned, you know, um, situations that we find ourselves in, 5% we don't create. And that is the actions of others, the decisions of others, um, whatever other people create, that's different. But if we find ourselves in a relationship that's abusive or unaligned or just doesn't feel right, we've created that. Now we haven't created the abuse, but we've allowed ourselves to get into that position. Now there's no shame, blame, or guilt in that. So bear with me for a minute, anybody watching or catching the episode. But what that means is that you had the, you had the power to create that. You have the power to change it, right? We create it. Now, most of the time when we create that, it's a lack of understanding of who we are. So let's take domestic violent relationships or, or abusive, whatever they look like, right? Um, if we find ourselves in an abusive relationship, that usually stems to vulnerability, a lack of understanding of who we are, a lack of understanding of what, a, what our ideal relationship should be or, or could be, a lack of self-worth, um, self-esteem, all of that, right? Or even, you know, you could have the most beautiful person in the world, male or female, who outwardly looks like they absolutely unconditionally love themselves, but they hate themselves inside and their self-worth. Right. And that's where we, we do make those decisions because that's how we feel. 
we yeah. make decisions about our feelings, right? And yeah. toxic cycles and patterns go the same way, right? We create those based on what our mind is telling us, based on what our triggers are telling us. Our triggers are our emotional responses to what our brain is saying in the background, yeah. right? You're not worthy. You just said something and that made me feel unworthy. No, I already felt unworthy. So what you yeah. said shouldn't have hurt me, but because I'm feeling unworthy, it hurt me. Exactly. Yeah, it's a projection piece. I know, you know, everything you're saying, I really um, feel into because that really was my story, right? And I didn't realize how much that, you know, I could have changed and shifted things if I just would have been consciously enough aware to do that, right? But what I was doing was living from a place because I had been wounded as a child, right? I, I was raised by a narcissistically abusive father. So I was shown a, a traumatic part of a model, right, to come from, right? And what, what it felt like not to feel like I was enough or I could never live up to my father's standards. And I was just wanting to be love and I was chasing that love and affection, right? And I still did that into my adulthood until I realized what I had been raised by, right? But I was also trapped in, um, you know, a religious sect that was controlling and abusive and all of these things. And I didn't realize it. So I was surrounded by that and got trapped into, you know, a marriage that was all the same things. And I didn't, wasn't able to see that, but you're right. I had, I had enough awareness to say something's not right. I could have listened to my intuition and said, something's not right. I need to break free from all of these things. And then once I did, right, that's when I began the healing journey of seeing into, oh my God, that, you know, all of this trauma and this abuse from the way that I was raised really created how the cycles that I got trapped into. And the reason why I don't have the self-worth or the self-love or the ability to think that I deserve more of a better relationship than a, an abusive one, right? So kind of seeing those, those things with more awareness, then you're starting to unravel all of the damage and all the pieces of, of when you allowed all of that to happen. But I lived as I was a victim, okay? But it wasn't I was the victim. I was allowing those things. It was like owning the responsibility of what you allowed, right? Yeah. You could have said, this is what I'm not doing. I'm going to change and I'm going to not accept this anymore because this is not normal, right? But you only know what you know in those moments. And so you have to just realize, okay, I did the best I could in that moment. Yeah. Now I know better and I can move forward and I can do better. Yeah, exactly. I always tell people that there is no failure. There is no mistakes. You did the best that you could with the knowledge that you had at the time. That's all we yeah. can do, right? And beating ourselves up about past situations or putting ourselves in those toxic cycles or patterns is counterproductive because every time we find ourselves in a traumatic situation or an event or, you know, even somebody saying something to us, we're creating more of that toxic cycle and pattern as a child, as we're growing up, um, every time something doesn't go right. And even I said it on yesterday's episode or, or I said it on a, a recent episode is, you know, how many of us have forgiven our, that child, right? Mm -hmm. I wanted to be a vet when I was younger. Can't do it. There's no way in hell. Um, I'm way too squeamish. I couldn't do it. Um, was I able to, you know, say sorry to that child who I taught that, you know, I didn't follow through with that, right? So every time something doesn't work the way we imagine it or envision it, it's a ding to our mm -hmm. confidence. It's a ding to our worthiness, right? 
every little thing that we allow to ding our identity just keeps pulling it away from us in a sense, right? We're giving more power to all of those dings and then we lose our personal power. We lose our ability to say, hey, you know, I'm great. I'm good. I love myself. Do I like this? No, but I have the, I have the power to change it. Yes. Yeah. It's in every moment. I always tell you, know, anyone that I encounter in, in every moment you have the power to react, respond consciously, or you can revert back to old programming, right? You can revert back to the way that you were conditioned, or you can revert back to how you showed up the last time, right? Or you can stop and reflect and respond rather than react to any type of situation, right? And I had to learn that the hard way, I would say, because, you know, I had a lot of complex PTSD from the years of abuse. And I saw very quickly with my new awareness of how I responded and reacted from pieces and places in the past rather than the, pre the present moment. And so I, had, I lived a lot of my life from the past, right? Past trauma, past that, that type of stuff. And so once I realized that and shifted that, I was able to say, I am allowed to act from a different space in this moment because this is a present moment right now. And this situation may feel like it's a, a situation from the past, but I still can choose to react and you know differently than I have before. Yeah. And so taking that time for reflection, stopping and realizing, okay, slow down, you know, slow down and, and see what, what this is all meaning for you um, because then that's gonna create even more shifts and changes in the way that you're creating a reality. Yep. Um, somebody once mentioned uh, rear view mirror versus the windshield. The rear view mirror is so small because mm -hmm. you're only supposed to look back at bits and pieces. And yeah. the windshield is so big because it's unlimited potential, right? What's happened behind you has already happened. And I like to think of it as when we're living toxic cycles, toxic patterns, toxic, you know, negativity, because there is toxic negativity and toxic positivity. And when you're living in one or the other, you've got a semi-sized trailer that you're carrying behind you of all those negative things. You can't look at the good things behind you, right? You're looking like you're not moving forward at any really rate of progress because your little itty bitty smart cars trying to carry the semi-sized semi -sized trauma and it doesn't work that way right um i was gonna go somewhere else with that oh and of course we just no i i'll help you pick up i think i, I think that is brilliant honestly because i remember carrying right? I was carrying a big trailer of all of my baggage emotions and stuff from the past, right? And then how much that weighed me down mm -hmm. from being able to move forward in life. And that, those are the things that keep you stuck, right? Those are the things that keep you repeating the same cycle or finding the same abusive partner and being like, oh my God, why does this keep happening to me, right? Have you ever questioned yourself and been like so frustrated and you're like, why does the keep, same stuff keep happening for me? And it's really there to show you, it's like your greatest teacher, right? It's there to show you that, you know, you got to release some of that, that, that baggage that you have from the past so that you can stop recreating the same scenarios in your life or finding the same partners or the same friendships or, you know, whatever that is for you, right? Holding on to anger or emotions in your body that are trapped 
um, all of these things. It's, it's just the way that you can evolve into really the individual that you came here to be. Just writing down a couple notes. Um, we did the other day an episode called The Weight of Depression. And I had Googled depression prior to that episode while I was naming it. And I Googled depression and the definition. And there's of a person, of a place, and of an object. And I think that the of an object is more feasible to humans than it is anything else. So it said of an object or part of an object in a physically lower position having been pushed or forced down, right? So you think of like, here's it, look at a keyboard, right? If you have a keyboard, because most of us have keyboards, if you have a keyboard and you press one of those buttons farther than it goes, it's not going to pop back up. Mm -hmm. You've depressed it, right? Yeah. And the weight of depression is all of these things that are piled on top of us that we have a horrible time trying to get out of it, right? And even people who are, you know, um, seemingly very positive and happy, right? Some days, there are days where I'm borderline depression, right? Where I feel depressed on a specific day because my, you know, maybe it's just that day that I just need to reflect on all of the crap from the last month and I need a day to just work through it, right? There's nothing wrong with that. That's that polarity. That's the, the positive and light, the, you know, sun and moon. That's, we need those days, right? So it's not every day that we're going to be on that fine level. We do balance through that and, and have up and down days. Um, so let's get into the different types of, you know, toxic cycles and patterns. Now, we have already touched on one with, um, relationships so obviously getting into the same type of relationship over and over and over again that is a toxic cycle and pattern now i want to segue really quickly because i we should have i should have started with this <laughs> before we went into the types is that a cycle and pattern is a lesson that hasn't been learned right it's something that's continually showing us that we need to change something whether that be our subconscious our conscious you know, our mindset, our perception, we have a lesson we need to learn to be better, smarter, braver, more loving. And that's mm -hmm. what the repeated cycles and patterns are telling us. Hey, you need to start loving yourself in order to get out of, you know, this cycle. That's what they are. So I wanted to clarify that first. Um, do you, would you agree with that? I would wholeheartedly agree with that. Yes. <laughs> Um, just to give people an idea, right? Because we're just, I'm jumping. So, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's definitely something. I mean, it is, it's a, there to show you. Mm -hmm. So, again, we did relationships, right? You've experienced your mm -hmm. own where it was that toxic cycle of relationships, right? Father, husband. And, you know, once you figured that out, then that cycle stopped. Um, there is addiction. Addiction is a toxic cycle and pattern. Now addiction, like we mentioned before, is a need to replace or remove an emotion. That's something that's gone unprocessed, right? And something that hasn't been healed and the perspective hasn't changed. So you're still living in that need to remove or replace. Um, shopping, right? Uh, shopping addiction, right? But even shopping and it's not an addiction. When you are looking for outside sources to 
fill your cup, to make you feel happy, to make you feel whole, that is a toxic cycle and pattern as well. Yes. When they're looking, when you're seeking the, that hit of, of like that dopamine, where it's like that you're, you're constantly needing that to be happy within, then you know, that's something that's toxic, right? Because you should already be happy within it. And then shopping should just be something that you get to go and do every once in a while. It's not like you get, you know, of course there's a reward in it, right? But it's not like you're seeking that all the time. Like that you have to, like, it's a, I can't live without this, right? Anything that you say, I can't live without is, is something that you have an attachment to, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I always teach. Like, oh my God, I can't live without that. When people say that, you know, I'm always like, can't, but can't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, reflect on that, dig deeper there, right? Because there's probably something that you have an unhealthy attachment to, right? Um, and a lot of people do that with, you know, even in relationships where they idolize their partner or they're so attached because they, they have an anxious attachment style, you know, um, because of, of past wounding and stuff. So looking at things like that, being able to really see, okay, how am I showing up in every way? Yeah. Um, look at your nails. So you've got your nails done. Um, yes. For anybody watching the show or has been watching the show since the beginning, uh, we're on episode 123. So if you watched any of the last 123 episodes, you'll know that I've had my nails done consistently up until today's episode. This is what my hands look like. They look stubby and I don't like them um, when my nails are not off, but that's just a personal opinion, but I can live without them. Yeah. Right. I don't get my nails done because I have to. I get them done because I like to. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel pretty. But I love myself regardless. It's not something I have to do to make myself feel good. It's a perk. Yeah. Right. Um, right. And I think that that's there, there are healthy perks, right? Where, like you said about shopping, right? Where you go shopping. I got a gift card the other day and I bought the hugest standing gnomes ever. I have a mild gnome addiction and I'm just like, I have ah. a mild gnome addiction. This is one of my favorite ones. My best friend got me this one. Um, only one in my room. Um, but I have this mild gnome addiction. So I went to the store and I'm walking around the store. I've got a $40, $40 gift card that I got for Christmas that I'd never spent yet. I'm walking through the store and I see this standing gnome and I'm not lying. I'm sitting on my gaming chair, right? This gnome stands probably to the top of my gaming chair yeah. and I'm looking at it and it says spooky and it's a Halloween one. And I was just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Grabbed it. I'm smelling the candle. There's like a gnome candle, it's white, white pumpkin. Amazing. So if you have a winners or a home sense, check out their white pumpkin candle. Ooh, it smells good. Um, good. And I left that one. And then I looked to my right and I noticed another gnome. That's same thing. Super tall. It says harvest. So obviously it's for Thanksgiving. And I was like, Kate, I'm going to get that one too. So one of them is covered by my gift certificate. One's not, right? So I'm walking through the store. Earlier, I had seen a wallet that I absolutely adore. I didn't end up buying it, kind of kicking myself because there was only one. But I'm walking through the store and I see six Halloween gnomes. They're like this big, not super huge. Um, and I'm looking at them and I'm like, I could get all of them right? I'm thinking to myself, I could get all of them because yeah. I have this gnome obsession. 
And then I'm like, no, which one would I prefer? I can either get the six little ones for the same price as the two big ones. I'm like, you know what? I like the two big ones. So I walked through the store, saw a bunch of stuff that I liked, and I just kept going, went to the checkout. As I'm at the checkout, I'm like, I have to have that candle. The smell was just heavenly. So I went and got the candle and that was it, right? And the limit, I felt good. I went and, you know, did something just for me. And that was the end of it, right? There are perks. You can do stuff like that. Even if you've had an addiction or a shopping addiction or, you know, whatever the crutch is, as long as it's not something that's detrimental to your health or your well-being, right? Shopping, being a shopaholic is detrimental for your health and well-being. Um, as long as it's not hurting you, going once a month to do a shopping and saying, hey, you know, I'm going to go, I have a limit. I go a little bit over that limit or a little bit under that limit. That's okay. But here's kind of my limit and just go look around and enjoy yourself, right? That's yeah. not going, that's not reverting back to a cycle. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's about balance, right? I think, and then it's like, then you're like, oh, if I have this addiction, I can never do this then because it's, it's an addiction, right? No, it's about balance. Like everybody knows you're going to eventually shop again, right? It's just about being able to say, I'm not doing it because I have to, or I need to, right? And I'm not like doing it so obsessively or, or whatever that looks like, right? So I think there is such a difference. Um, and there's such a wide range of things that you can be addicted to or that you need to do or feel like you have to do, right? And again, the key is always balance with certain things. If you see that you have an unhealthy attachment or an a, a addiction piece, it's just seeing, okay, how do I balance this? How do I show up differently? And then what can I do to make sure that I set those goals and then I achieve them, right? Yep. Yep. It's like uh, people with dieting, right? Um, you can get into a toxic uh, cycle dieting, right? Where yeah. you go on this rapid, crazy diet and you, you know, you're all for it and you do it and then you binge and then you're back and forth and back and forth. Um, where, you know, I, I've always been anti-diet, anti, you know, most um, fads. And again, we did an episode a couple of weeks ago where the woman said, you know, most women are protein deficient. And I said, Hey, you know, that's not that hard. I could add protein to my diet while still being able to eat whatever I want, drink whatever I want, as long as I'm adding enough protein to make myself healthy. And I did it. And I, and I realized while I started adding that protein that it was actually, I felt better. Right. Mm -hmm. And I craved different things. So getting rid of some of my sugar addiction, some of my junk food addiction, you know, slowly getting rid of those because I actually felt good. And yeah. there was a huge difference, right? Um, so self-worth, confidence, um, relationships, uh, family cycles um, is a big one, but not just, we're going to be doing an episode on this uh, another day, is generational, right? Yeah. Generational cycles or family mm -hmm. cycles where it got, you know, it goes from mother to daughter or father to son or father to daughter, where we're taking on those cycles of our parents. Yes. I mean, I was, I am definitely a poster child for that. Um, that's the reason why I said this stops here with me, right? Generational trauma is not going to continue down this line. You know, I have two boys of my, my own and I began to see that, you know, 
the way that my parents modeled their behavior, I learned from that, right? I, you know, you take in all of those things and then you, you know, people are always like, oh, you act just like your mother, right? When they have that saying, well, probably because you are, right? You're modeling your parents' behavior and then you're actually doing the same things to your kids that you hated that your parents did, right? So you're passing down that generational trauma. You know, I was able, lucky enough to be able to um, wake up to that and say, okay, this is where this stops with me. I'm not going to pass this on to my children. I'm going to show them how to um, deal with their emotions. I'm going to show them how to create healthy boundaries for themselves, to love themselves, to know that they're accepted no matter what they do. It doesn't matter what grades they get. It doesn't matter how they show up in life. They are good just the way that they are, right? Um, and I think that's what's so important in society today, that we're not doing that to our children. We're not awake enough to the fact that we might be passing on that trauma, right? So it all comes down to how are you showing up for your family? Are you healing yourself in your, in your patterns? Because everyone has them. If you think that you don't have them, then you're delusional. <laughs> you, are, you are delusional and you need to wake up to the fact that those are present and that you need to see how you can change um, how we keep the next generation from acting, right? So any other types of cycles and patterns you can think of that we haven't already touched on? Um, I would say fear is a big one. Mm, yes. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, we, it's an innate um, thing that because we are from our ancestors, right, is already being programmed to um, be in survival, right? Okay, that's what our mind's job is to keep us safe. So a lot of the times if we can get stuck in that survival part of our brain, we live from a state of fear. Okay. And that is an addiction. We want to take ourselves back to the, to the fear or the chaos or whatever that looks like. And then our mind is wanting to take us back there. Yeah. Right. And if you have a fear, if you live from fear and anxiety, you know, and worry and all of those things that stems from somewhere. Okay. Or if you have fears, you know, a lot of people have fears over some pretty wild stuff. Okay. Where did that, where did that story or that perception come from that you have to be afraid of that? right? There's always a root or a cause. So understanding that is the case, um, but also being able to regulate your own nervous system, right? So you can get out of the fear, you can get out of the survival state, this, this repetitive cycle that you constantly are in, right? What do you get anxious about? Are you getting anxious about the same thing every time? Where does that come from, right? Being open to understanding and discovering more is, is really key. Um, one of the ones that I just thought of, um, identity, of course, identity, um, we tend to not express who we truly are or, or the way we truly feel because we're trying to fit into society's ideals of identity. Um, I'm the type of person where I grew up in two very different households. My, my parents were split. Um, one I lovingly called the hick side, the other one I, you know, not so lovingly called the prude side. Um, and each one, I had to be a different person in each one. Um, none of them got along. So of course it was, I had to please one and then I had to please the other, right? So it was, and then we come to people pleasing, right? Where we're constantly putting ourselves aside for everyone else. That is a huge, and I mean, that's probably one of my top five 
is people pleasing women do it especially men do it in a different way so i'm going to quickly go to the men one men will hide their emotions and hide their true feelings because they're told to man up grow some balls um crying for for women whatever that looks like men are playing a role of masculine machoism right um rather than truly expressing how they feel um for women i can't tell you the amount of women i've seen post on social media or i've talked to who say i'm only here i'm only alive because of my children um my children are my entire life and i'm like honey that doesn't work (laughs) like i love that right i'm a mother i have three bio and and one stepchild and i love them all absolutely and whenever they need me i am there but i come first right i come first um a lot of people think that's selfish right i know for me it was that was selfish right everyone else comes before you Mm-hmm. and like that that is that is what happens but I was pouring from an empty cup because I did never took care of myself and I was exhausted and stressed and depressed and anxious you know all of these these things that come from that so yeah I agree I'm the biggest I am a chronic people pleaser in um remission <laughs> right and there will still be times right where we talk about sometimes you fail and you're like oh man I just did that and that was such I was being a people pleaser that was like the old version of me and yeah I need to go back into the new version of me because I don't need to people please like I don't care about anyone making anyone else happy or their perception of me it's about what do I want, right? Rather than thinking that you have to do that, right? But we've been conditioned to believe that that's what we have to do. We have to show up a certain way and we have to, if otherwise we're not gonna be accepted or loved. Yep. Um, so that leads us into our, our final, I guess, area of this is how to heal it. So one of the things that I wanted to touch on was the ability to say no. Let's talk about every single one of the toxic cycles and patterns is the ability to say no, not just to yourself, because in some of them, you do need to say no to yourself um, or that little voice mm-hmm. in your head that says, oh, that's okay. Let's just keep doing this. Um, but being able to say no to others, I have, you know, um, I have a situation or I've had a situation where somebody's like, hey, you know, do you want this? And I'm like, no, I really don't. And their expectation becomes my expectation. And I'm like, no, like I shouldn't feel guilty for saying no to something I don't want to do, right? Or that I'm not in a place to do. Now, understanding that when you're able to say no, when you're breaking those cycles and you're breaking those patterns, there are going to be people who fight back because they're not used to you being a better version of yourself. And remember to tell yourself and to tell them and routinely check in with yourself when you're doing this is, am I showing myself love first? And how can I say no and put myself first while still showing that other person love, right? We don't have to, um, and a lot of, I see, I've seen women and men do this where they're trying to make that change to a healthier version of themselves and they turn into an asshole. Uh, pardon my language, but they do, right? They turn yeah. into a very aggressive, very demanding and demeaning version of themselves in the name of putting themselves first. And that's not how we do that, right? 
so if Brooke was to ask me today, hey, you know, I, you know, I need you to help me do this. And I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm really not feeling it today. Um, I'm going to have to say no. And if Brooke freaked out, that's not on me, right? I'm not saying no, I don't want to do it. Why would I want to do that? It's no, I'm not feeling it today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to say no. And if Brooke reacted the way most people and I quotations, cause not all, but quite a few people would be like, well, why not? I would do it for you. And I'd be like, you know what? I understand that. And I appreciate that, that you would do that, but I'm not in a position to do that right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And just, it's not, you know, even letting go of relationships, that's a huge one. Letting go of relationships, doing the same thing. You know, I love you. I'm sorry, but this is not working for me and I need to do what's best for me. And it's not fair to you to be, you know, in this situation when I'm, I'm holding resentment and anger and I'm being triggered because I'm just not feeling it. Yeah, that's so true. It's like, sometimes I have to recognize, okay, where, where can I set my boundaries, but also do it in a loving way. Mm -hmm. um, a loving way, right. Which you can, that you can do both. You don't have to be the asshole, like you said, right. You, you can do it in a loving way where it's just like showing people, Hey, this is how I'm showing up now. And they're either going to accept it or they're not going to accept it. Right. And then you kind of know who your people are, right. That means that they were probably taking advantage of you because when you set your boundaries and they're like, Whoa, Whoa, what's happening here. I'm not okay with this. Or they treat you poorly you probably can realize that that might not have been a healthy relationship for you, whether that, whatever relationship type it is, right. And seeing that, and then you cut ties, right. Yeah. You cut ties. And I know I've had to cut a lot of those ties because they were not relationships that were healthy for me because I had been in toxic cycles for so long. It's friendships and, and work relationships. And I mean, you name it, I've done it all. Um, I, because I had to, right. And seeing that, you know, I even may had to cut off my own relationship with my own parents, right. Because of the fact that it was toxic, it wasn't healthy for me. And as much as that hurts, it is what had to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, not only that, so you did mention that sometimes mm -hmm. they've, they've been abusing or using you. Not always though. Um, I've had situations where absolutely I've had to cut ties. I've also had situations where it just shows their insecurities and vulnerabilities. Yeah, I've had true. friends that are very much in toxic negativity and any word, any action triggers their emotional responses. And then it becomes a you problem. And that's, you know, that's where you stand up and you put those boundaries. Hey, you know, I respect how you feel. I validate how you feel and how you could be feeling that that wasn't my intention. Right. And that's taking ownership for what you've done, but also giving them back ownership of their reaction because reaction is emotional response is logical, right? That's mm -hmm. what we're trying to get here. Most of the time we yeah. want to re respond versus react. Reaction yes. Emotion always wins over logic. That's like, <laughs> emotion always wins, right? And if we are emotional creatures, which by women, we usually are more emotional than a man, right? We have to really be able to say, okay, how can I balance my emotions so that I can keep the logical side of my brain in, in, intact when I'm in these types of situations, right? 
Yeah. And that's what leads to 90% of um, relationship issues or communication issues is somebody gets emotional and they run with that. Um, So toxic cycles, I have one. Um, And one way that I got out of it, let's talk about romantic relationships. So I wrote a book called On My Way to Us, and it's all about my story of my past relationships to my marriage now. And in each of my relationships, I learned something different about what I wanted to be as a partner, what I needed as a partner, and the true realization of what a relationship truly means. And so I took all of that. And when I met my husband, I was in a place where I messaged my best friend and I said, you need to help me find a man. I'm sick of being alone. We need to get this done. And he said, actually, I think I know somebody would be perfect for you. And so my best friend set my husband and I, and I had been in relationships and I also have a PDF if anybody wants this, um, for, um, the seven most damaging relationship issues. Trust me, it's a good one. Um, it used to be titled the way seven ways you're destroying your relationships, but I needed to be a little bit nicer. Um, (laughs) but one of the things in there is something that I was doing and that's manipulation. I would, whenever I would feel put into a corner or angered by anybody, I would lash out and my logical brain would be gone. My emotional brain would be front and center and it would be, Melissa, you have no feelings for this person. You don't care how much you hurt them. Your goal is to hurt them worse or just as bad as you. That was the goal. There was no other thought. So when I got with my husband, I said, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to do that. And so what I started to do, and you can ask all four of my children, when I am getting pushed towards my limit, and I do have a limit, when I'm getting pushed towards my limit, I say, okay, I need a timeout. If you don't back off and let me have my timeout, I'm going to say or do something that I'm not going to, re- that I'm going to regret. And I don't want to hurt you. I just need you to leave me alone right now. And I will put myself on a timeout. And when I do that, I, whether it takes 20 minutes, whether it takes eight hours, (laughs) depending on how far you pushed me. um, And it is possible to be pushed. People do push your buttons just for the sake of pushing your buttons, Um, especially your loved ones. So when I get to that limit, I take my break. I do what I need to do. And by the end of it, I've worked through how I feel. So I'm not putting my emotions on you because I've worked through them. I go and I have that conversation and I say, hey, you know, um, this really bothered me. Me, right? Because we're taking responsibility for the way that we feel, the actions that we take and our triggers. This really bothered me. And I understand where you're coming from. Let's have this discussion now. And you logically do it, right? That's one of the ways to get rid of those cycles and patterns is to time out. (laughs) Just give yourself a time out and let your logical brain take over again. Yeah, you have to. Like, it is absolutely necessary. I learned that very early on in um, the healthy relationship I'm in now, which is the first healthy relationship I've ever had. Truly. And so I, you know, I realized, oh, I have to take a break because I'm an emotional um, being and my emotions were never regulated. So, and I never knew how to do that. Right. So it was a learning process and realizing, okay, you have to take a break before you 
um, respond or otherwise you're just going to react. You're going to react from your old way of being and you don't want to do that. So taking that moment, that breath, right, helps you come back to the present moment rather than reacting from the past. Yeah. Um, I grew up with a narcissistic mother and we've now cut all ties but my entire family's cut all ties too so when i was growing up and i i learned this pattern very early on with most of my family is and especially her is that if we lived in the same house even you know when i was a teen or a child or even you know any one of her boyfriends whoever boyfriend at the time even my brother if she would get annoyed with you right? Because I, I believe she's a true undiagnosed narcissist, never at fault, always the savior or the victim. There is no in between, mm -hmm. there is no responsibility. Um, and so what she would do is when she was annoyed with you, she would nitpick at absolutely everything. And she would do it in a way that, you know, little jabs here and there, little comments here and there, right? It would be, why didn't you clean this? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you do this? And it would all be on you, right? And so it would get to a point where I would react, right? Because somebody is on me all the time, you know, about everything. And I would then react, right? I was the one cooking and cleaning and paying for everything. And yet, <coughs> they would walk through the house with their boots on mm -hmm. um, right after I washed the floor. Right. And that's, and I mentioned it a few times, because if you're not consciously telling people your triggers, then you cannot get mad at them for triggering you. You have to right. have communication. That is another yeah. one. Um, but yeah, she would pick on people. And then in the long run, what would end up happening is you would react, Right. So she would very quietly, very calmly go, go at you for not doing something or doing something that she didn't like. And then you would react out of anger or frustration and you were the one at fault because you overreacted or you created the fight or you created that big blow up when in reality it was the little, little pinpricks here and there. Yeah, that is um, exactly, I know how you feel because you know, you had the opposite. My mine was the father, right? But seeing that, you know, some of those dynamics, it was always shift the point the finger at you, right? And made you to feel like the guilt and the shame around whatever that was. So it's either like no matter what you felt, it was always invalidated somehow, right? And then you just kind of give up on saying your emotions and your feelings. And that was me, right? I suppressed everything after that because pretty soon I was like, well, nobody's going to listen to me anyway. Nobody cares what I have to say. Right. And see, I never suppressed. I was the opposite. I was, I was a volcano, right? I'm volatile and vindictive. You push me past that limit and I will hurt you physically, emotionally, mentally, all of it. Right. And, yeah. but yeah, I got to the point right before I met my husband where I did learn to control that. I did learn to control my outbursts and I did learn to control my own mental health and my ability to, to be emotionally stable. All right, now that we're at the three o'clock mark, what, is there anything you'd like to add before we get going? No, I don't think so. I think we covered a lot. <laughs> I think we covered a lot in an hour and I think some powerful stuff that hopefully, you know, someone takes away from 
um, our discussion, you know, of, you know, how do we move forward? What's next? Well, thanks yeah. for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. It was awesome. Awesome conversation. Awesome company. <laughs> All right, just a family. This has been your episode. If you'd like to connect with myself or Brooke, you can do so. Our links are in the description of this episode. Our sponsor today, Phoenix Identity. If you feel like you don't know who you are and you want to reconnect to that, go and check out their three-month life crisis package. Use 911 as the code to get 25% off the price. All right, like, follow, and share the show. Join our newsletter at justalivetv.com. If you would like to watch and or listen, you can do so. We are on multiple platforms. I think we're on just about every podcasting platform and you know all the major social media ones. So go and check us out, follow us, catch up. We're on episode 123 already. Lots of love to all of you. I'm your host, Melissa Kretschler. Of course, Brooke Kikos, our, you know, guest speaker today. Go and check us out. Have a wonderful morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when or where you're watching. And I will see all of you on the next episode. Bye.